Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Ken, and I am the lead pastor of our Huntington Beach campus, and I'm so thankful to be with you guys here today. Uh, about every six months or so, my wife and I, we get on a kick of exercising and eating healthy. Anyone else with me on that one? Okay, every once in a while. we. So it happens about twice a year for us. Um, don't laugh. January 1st. All right, January 1st, you're with me, right? New Year's resolution, it's like, this year we're going to eat healthy and we are going to exercise. And so that lasts about a month, um, but we get on a kick for about a month where we, we do pretty well with that. And then the second time it typically happens throughout the year is summertime. And usually it's too late at this point, but in, Jan- in June, you know, it, it's starting to get warm and, and we're wanting to go to the beach and you look in the mirror and I'm like, I'm not ready to be in a bathing suit yet, right? It's like, like I've packed on some pounds and whatnot and I'm not ready to be in a bathing suit. And so... Let's start exercising and eating healthy, and we'll get on a kick, and we try to get our bodies ready. Uh, we get our beach bodies on, right? And uh, in fact, the way that we uh, like to do that is there is a company called Beach Bodies, and they make uh, popular DVD curriculums, video curriculums for you to work out at home. The most popular one is P90X, and uh, we've never done P90X, but maybe some of you have. That's the popular one that they make, uh, but they also make one called Insanity, and so we do Insanity, and so about every six months, we'll get on a kick. We might last about a month, uh, but we'll, we'll do Insanity for about a month. And uh, if you've never seen these before, you're watching on screen as, as people are exercising, and then you're at home trying to do these exercises. And if you've ever done it before, it's like you, you want to video, uh, you have someone to video you because it's hilarious. Like, like you're not doing what they're doing, but you're trying and you're watching. And so we love it. And the thing I love about it that's different, like if you go to the gym, you get, like you're working out and whatnot. For me, um, I can stop and just do half the exercises, and, I, and you're watching people work out, and you feel like you're just sweating watching the TV, you know, and you feel like I'm getting in shape right now. This is awesome. And so uh, we, love, we love doing that. And, and part of the reason I do it, you know, I, I just shared, you know, my, the bad motives in my heart is, you know, the image and getting in a bathing suit for summer. But, but uh, the more holy and good reasons is because um, we know that exercise and eating healthy is good for us, right? We know that it's good for our well-being, it's good for our health, um, that it's important, and, it, and it's a thing we should, you know, we, we might desire it more than we actually do it, but we, we know we should eat healthy, we know we should exercise, and so that's why we do that. We know that it has value for our lives. And God addresses this in Scripture. God agrees, and God says that exercise has some value. Exercise is a good thing for your life. But God says that there is something more important and more valuable than exercise, and it's something called godliness. And that's what I want us to look at together today. And I invite you to grab a Bible and turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. 1 Timothy chapter 4. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, there's some in the rack in front of you. It's on page 1194 in those Bibles. 1194, 1 Timothy chapter 4. And now, this isn't written from Timothy, so that might be confusing. It's written to a guy named Timothy. So Paul, the Apostle Paul, writes this letter to Timothy. Timothy is a younger guy that he is, uh, Paul has mentored and trained as a pastor, and Timothy is in Ephesus, helping to pastor the church there, and he is confronting, dealing with some false teaching happening in the church of Ephesus. And so Paul writes this letter to him, telling Timothy, here's how I want you to handle these false teachers. And so Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 4, beginning of verse 7, says this, Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. So he's saying, have nothing to do with this false teaching that's going on in the church. Rather, train yourself to be godly. Verse 8, for P90X is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. 
holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Verse 9 says, This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God. So the reason why we labor and strive, the reason why we work hard at this, this is why we spiritually P90X it, is because we have this living hope. We've put this hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and especially of those who believe. Paul writes and says, Timothy, train yourself to be godly. Because physical training, P90X has got some value, but godliness has value for all things. And when he's talking about godliness, what he means by that is that our lives would align with the will of God. That the things that we say and the way that we interact with other people and the decisions that we make align with God's will for us and his plan for us and his desires. And the way that we see that most clearly through scripture is through the person of Jesus. Because Jesus is God in the flesh. And so godliness is Christ-likeness. It's living the Jesus life out in our relationships with others, in our, in our marriage, in, in our families, with our friends. It's saying the things that Jesus would say, doing the things that Jesus would do with the heart that Jesus has towards others. Godliness is Christ-likeness. It's this life that's set apart for God. It's this life of holiness. And so Paul writes and says, Timothy, train yourself to be godly. And in that, if we were to live this out, it has value for all things. So P90X has got some value. P90X can help shape your body. It can shape your biceps so you can go and say, you know which way the beach is? You know, it, can, it has some value. Yeah, don't you love when people do that? They're like... You got any tickets for the gun show, right? Uh, these ripped people. Um, so it's got some value. You, get, you got the gun show. Uh, there's some value, but godliness has value for all things, he says. It's, it's, it's way better. It impacts every area of your life. Think about it. If you lived out this Christ-likeness, if your life was defined by godliness, if you thought the way that Jesus thought and spoke the way that he spoke and treated people the way that he did, think about the impact that would have on your life. Wouldn't that be the type of person you actually want to be. Think about your marriage, for those of you that are married. If in your interactions with your spouse, you spoke the way that Jesus would, you loved them the way that Jesus would, imagine the impact that would have on your marriage. Think about your neighbors, the impact that you'd have on your neighbors if you lived out the Jesus life, if you were Christ-like. Think about the, the parties that you would throw and invite your neighbors over and the way you'd impact them. Think about your coworkers and the way that you would work at work. If your life was defined by godliness, Christ-likeness, the type of worker you'd be, the way you'd interact with your bosses and your, and your coworkers, your employees. Think about, for those of you that are students, the type of student you'd be and the way you'd interact with other students and the outcast students, the way that you'd reach out to them. If your life embodied Christ-likeness, godliness. You see, this is the type of person that we actually desire to be. This is the type of life that we actually want for ourselves. And Paul tells us, and Paul tells Timothy, and he says and speaks to us as well, train yourself to be godly because godliness has value for all things. And so that's why this summer we're doing this series called Under Construction. And in this series, what we realize is that when you put your faith in Jesus, when you become a Christ follower, just like those, those girls that we heard about, those high schoolers, and we're so excited and we celebrate with them, and then that begins a process where their lives are now under construction. Our lives are under construction. We're being changed and transformed 
and renewed. Ultimately, God's goal, his, his purpose is to conform us to the likeness of Jesus Christ. That's his will for your life, that you would become Christ-like, that you would become godly. And so the fancy Christian word for this is a word sanctification. Everyone say sanctification. Sanctification, sanctification is this us being set apart, us becoming holy, us being transformed, us becoming more and more Christ-like. And so we are under construction. When you become a believer, you begin this lifelong journey of being sanctified, being set apart, changing the way that you think, changing your heart, changing the way that you live, that you become more and more transformed. And it's not a linear thing. It's kind of messy, right? Sometimes it feels like two steps forward and then one step backward, right? Uh, It's kind of this messy thing. Um, But the goal is God is wanting to change us and transform us and Make us more and more Christ-like. And so here's my question. Is that transformation, that sanctification, is it God or is it us who does the transformation? If you're a note taker, you can write this down. This is one of the fill-ins. Is it God or is it us who does the transformation? Now, some people would would be quick to say, well, it's God, obviously, right? Because I can't change myself, and so God is the one who does the work. And then when I'm not growing spiritually or whether this area of my life isn't being changed or transformed, well, that's God's problem, right? He hasn't changed me yet. And so it's all God. For others, they would say, no, 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 it's all us. We, we need to, to do the right things. And if we just do the right things, if we just try hard enough, we'll be changed and transformed. If we just worked really hard in this area of our life, then we would be godly and Christ-like. So I want to ask again, is it God or is it us who does the transformation? Is it God or is it us who does the sanctification in our lives. And that's what I want to look at and wrestle with this question. And I want to look at what's God's role and what's our role in the transformation in our lives. And to begin with, I want to look at our role. What's our role in this? And if you're a note taker, you can write this down. You can't just try to be godly. You must train. You can't just try to be godly. You, may, you must train. You can't just try and wake up one morning and go, well, I'm Christ-like, and I didn't do anything, and it just happened. And, and I'm, I'm, I just tried, and here I am. I'm Christ-like. I did it. You can't just try to be godly. You must train. And a lot of times with try, we'll, we'll use that word, and it's kind of half-hearted, right? It's like, oh, I'm going to try to change. Uh, I'm, I'm going to try to do this. Um, one example of that is, hey, I'm going to try to make it to your party on Friday night. And you know that's just a polite way of saying I'm not going to be there, right? I'm going to try. Um, or I'm going to try to lose weight, and then it doesn't happen. It's because you can't just try. You've got to train to be godly. You can't just try to be godly. You must train. Think about uh, the NBA. Uh, the NBA finals were, were pretty exciting uh, and uh, in that, Kevin Durant was the, the MVP of the NBA um, championship. Now, Kevin Durant didn't just show up to the finals and uh, had never played basketball before, but decided, I'm going to try. Okay, I'm going to try to win this. I'm going to try to do this. I've never played basketball before, but I'm going to try really hard. And like, he's just going to muster up the strength and be able to, to win the game. No, that's not how it happens, right? In sports, you train. And he practiced and practiced and practiced and trained and trained and trained and worked on his dribbling and his passing and his shooting. And, and he, he spent his whole life training. So that in those moments, he didn't just try. He had trained and he won the MVP. You see, you can't just try to be godly. You must train. Or I think about the same thing, not just with athletes, but with musicians. So in college, uh, I started off as a music major. And I majored for two years in music. And then I changed it to a minor. 
And part of the reason was because I would spend about 20, 30 minutes uh, practicing my craft. My, my major was vocal production, which is a fancy way of saying singing. And so uh, I was a vocalist, and I was, I was uh, spending about 20, 30 minutes a day practicing and rehearsing. Now, you might think 20, 30 minutes, that's, that sounds pretty good. On the other hand, I had friends who uh, were violinists. I had friends who were, were uh, classical guitarists. And they would spend six to eight hours a day practicing and rehearsing their instrument. Six to eight hours a day. Their best friend was a sound room, a quiet a closet that they would just hang out in there and practice and rehearse and rehearse over and over again. And those friends are now professional musicians. And I'm up here talking instead of singing, right? Because the difference was I was trying to be a vocalist, but they were training to be professional musicians. Here's what this looks like in our lives. You see, you become a Christian, and, and you're wanting to live out this Jesus life. And so what we'll do is um, we'll often put on a WWJD, uh, What Would Jesus Do bracelet. And if you have one of those, I'm not knocking it. You don't need to take it off right now and hide it. But what we'll do is we'll do that and nothing more. And then what we'll do is in the moment, we'll be in the moment. You're in an argument, you know, with someone, and you're starting to get angry. And you're like, I want to punch this person. But you're like, what would Jesus do, right? And so in the moment, you're like, I'm going to muster up. Uh, I'm going to be Jesus in the moment. Think like him. Act like him. Do what Jesus would do in this moment. But we have done no training leading up to this. And that's like Kevin Durant lining up, and he's never shot the ball before, but he's like, what would Michael Jordan do, right? What would Michael Jordan do? <laughs> and so, yeah, I didn't even think that through ahead of time. It works. WWMJD. There we go. Um, what would Michael Jordan do? And just throwing the ball up. It doesn't work that way. You've got to train. And we can't just muster it up in the morning. You can't just try to be Jesus in the moment. You've got to train. You can't just try to be godly. You must train. And so I want to ask you, are you training? Are you training to be godly? Are you training to be Christ-like? Are you in training? Or are you just trying? Are you just come to church, and then the rest of the week, I'm just going to try to what would Jesus do in the moment? Now, with exercise, I'm the king of excuses. And maybe you're like me with that. It's like, hey, I know I should do this, but uh, I just got a really busy week. And, and life's just too busy right now. And so I can't, I, you know, my friends, they get to exercise, but I just can't fit that into my, ex, into, into my schedule. I can't eat healthy. I just don't have the time to be able to do the proper grocery shopping and the preparation. So time busyness becomes, you know, a big excuse for me. Or excuses like, oh, I just don't feel good today, so I'm not going to go to the gym, right? Or I'm going to start next week. And the next week comes. I'm going to start next week, right? I'm going to start next week. We, just, we come up with excuses. And we do this with our spiritual lives as well. Like, hey, I'm, I'm not really growing right now. I'm not really becoming more Christ-like or godly. I'm not really growing in my relationship with Jesus. Uh, you know, we just sang a song about being closer to him. Hey, I'm not really getting closer. And then we just try to blame other people. We come up with excuses. Like, if my life group leader had it together a little bit more, you know, if they came a little bit more prepared to life group time, then maybe I could grow more. If my mentor, if my mentor uh, was, was just, you know, if, if they knew how to speak into my life a little better, I would, I would grow more. Or maybe it's busyness, right? I'm just too busy. I just don't have time to do these things. I just don't have time to be able to train and, and grow in my faith. 
Or one of my personal favorites is just blame the pastor, right? Pastor Bill, if, if he would just feed me. He doesn't feed me enough from the word, right? You'll hear people say this. He doesn't feed me. Um, and and, and uh, people say this about me. People say about all pastors, right? They just don't feed me. And what Paul would say is feed yourself. Train yourself to be godly. That it's your responsibility, your, your spiritual growth is your responsibility. And yeah, we come alongside that and we can help with that. But Paul says, train yourself to be godly. You can't just try to be godly. You must train. And you can't let excuses get in the way. So now you might be thinking, well, Pastor Ken, so then if I just work really hard at this, if I just am super disciplined at this, then if I just work hard at it, then my life's going to be changed and transformed. That I can do this uh, if I just work enough. Mm, not exactly. It's not quite how it works. What we see is that we play a part in it. We need to train ourselves. There's discipline involved. There's training involved that you do. But it's not all up to you. We're also dependent on God. And this leads us to the next fill-in, which is this, that transformation is a joint project between us and God. That transformation is a joint project between us and God. If you think about with construction and God working on your life and your life is under construction, you play a role in it. But it's not all up to you. God plays a role in it as well. We're dependent on him. And it's kind of like we're construction partners in our lives and in our transformation. We see this, that Paul, he not only says train yourself to be godly, but in a, another letter, Philippians 2, you can flip back a few pages or we'll just put it on the screen for you. Uh, Philippians 2, chapter 12, says this. Paul writes and says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Continue to work out, but continue to spiritually P90X your salvation. And with that word, he's not just talking about the moment of uh, you coming to Christ, but also the sanctification process, your life being changed and transformed. Continue to work out. Continue to do your part. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 13, for it is what? It's God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. We see here this play on words that you are to work out because God is at work in. You are to do your part. You're supposed to train yourself. There's, there's, there's involvement that you do. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who's at work in you. You work out because God is at work in and through you. And God's the one who gives you the will and God's the one who enables you to be able to do these things that are according to his good purpose, the things that he wants for you. God's the one who does it through your training and your working out. You see, when you put your faith in Jesus, and there's this moment of salvation that happens, the gospel says, the good news is that it's not from something that you do. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work for it. You don't uh, earn this relationship with God. It's a gift. It's purely a gift. It's grace that God gives us. And so the good news is that, that your relationship with God is not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus has done for you. And so those girls who went up to camp, they said yes to Jesus on that Tuesday night. And in that moment, it's not because of what they've done, but because of what Christ has done for them. They became children of God. They were adopted into the family of God. They were forgiven of their sins. And it's all God's work. And then from that moment of salvation, there's this process of sanctification that we've talked about. 
And with sanctification, we are joint workers with God. It's a joint project. That you and I play a role in it, but it's not completely up to us. God plays a role in it as well. And he works to change and transform us. Now in that, I want us to think about in life, there's, there's different ways that we have control and lack of control of things. So there's kind of three different categories of control in life. So the first is there's things that you pretty much have control of. So you and I have control of being able to pick up a telephone and press numbers and press send and call someone. Okay, you have control of being able to dial and, and press the numbers. You and I have control of uh, where we want to maybe steer our car and drive our car. You can have control of your car if you're the one driving, right? You have control to turn left, turn right, and, and just drive your car somewhere. You have control of deciding where you want to go to lunch today, unless you're married. Uh, and then you've you got to work that out with your spouse. But if you're a single person, you're here, you can, you can decide where you want to go to lunch today. So there's some things that you have control of in, in life. Maybe not 100% of it, but you, know, you mostly are in control of those things. There's another category of things that you have no control of. You have no control of the weather. There's nothing that you can do to change it. You have no control of what's going to happen in Europe tomorrow or in Asia. And so there's things that we have control of. There's things that we don't have control of at all. And then there's a third category of things that you have some control of, but not complete control of. And what I want you to think about for a moment is sleep. Now, some of you are like, hey, I'm already there. Uh, you know, I'm ready to sleep right now during the sermon. So sleep, you're with me, okay? Think about sleep for a moment. Sleep's something that you can't control. You can't make yourself fall asleep. It's not the same as picking up your phone and dialing a number, hitting send, and then you're out, right? Sleep is something, though, that you're not completely don't have control of. There's things that you can do that can help sleep come. So you can turn off the lights. You can make sure that the room is quiet. You can uh, get, onto, get into a, a comfy bed and pull up the, the sheets. So there's things that you do, but then you need to just wait and let sleep come. You're not in control of that moment. And it's kind of the way that spiritual growth happens. There's things that we do, there's training that we do, but then ultimately, God causes the sleep, God causes the transformation in our lives. You see, it's not just a solo effort, but transformation is a joint project between us and God. And so practically, practically, how do we train ourselves to be godly? How does this work? Practically, what does this look like in our lives? And if you're taking notes, you can write this, that to train yourself to be godly, practice spiritual disciplines. To train your God, yourself to be godly, to be Christ-like, to become more and more like Jesus, you've got to practice something called spiritual disciplines. Now, spiritual disciplines, these are things that we do. These are habits that we do. These are practices that we do. This is the training, the push-ups that, that we do. Uh, and in those, we are placing ourselves before God and saying, God, would you transform me? God, would you change me? God, would you grow me? God, would you change the way that I think? God, would you change my heart? And so these are things that we do. We place ourselves before God, and God does the transformation through these. These are things that we, uh, this summer, that's why this summer we're going to commit over these next uh, four or five weeks to practicing one spiritual discipline per week. And as a church, beginning to walk through these things. Things such as Sabbath or rest, this idea of silence and solitude, of, of stopping work and, and being with God. Now, some of you are thinking, hey, if naps are a spiritual discipline, I'm going to be godly by the end of the summer, Right? And so we, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about fasting and, and practicing the spiritual discipline of fasting, of refraining from food. 
in order to be committed to, to praying for something. And in that, refraining from food, recognizing and realizing through our bodies that we, our ultimate hunger and thirst is for God and for more of him or for his desires for our lives. Now, today, what I want in the, the remaining moments that we have is to challenge us to uh, the spiritual discipline of scripture reading, of reading God's word, of, of spending time in the word of God. And that's largely because uh, that's Paul's big challenge with Timothy, an encouragement for Timothy. And we see this in 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'll put it on the screen here. Chapter 3, verse uh, 16 and 17 says, All scripture, all of God's word, is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, correcting, and what? Training and training in righteousness, training in godliness, training in Christ-likeness, so that the servant of God, so that the Christ follower, so that we may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That through spending time in God's word and scripture, that it changes us and transforms us and prepares us for every good work that God has for us. Now in that, these spiritual disciplines, what they do is they're training us for this godly life that God has for us. I play hockey, um, and so growing up playing hockey, when I first began to play hockey, uh, I would have my stick and a puck, and I would learn to do something called stick handling. And so with stick handling, you take the puck, and you go front, back, front, back, front, and you lose it, and then, okay, get over here, and front, back. And so you learn how to stick handle the puck. And over time, as you got better with that, you begin to lift your head up. And so you just, by feel, not looking anymore, front, back, front, back, working on your stick handling. Now, as someone gets better and better and they've trained and trained and trained in how to stick handle, if you're watching the NHL and watching a professional hockey player, they are no longer thinking front, back, front, back. They just instinctually know how to stick handle. And so as they're going up and, and trying to score a goal on the goalie, and the goalie tries to poke check him, which means the goalie has their big stick, and they try to hit the puck away. As the goalie does that, the player that's going up and they've been trained, they're not thinking front, back, front, back, oh, poke check's happening, back, front. You know, they, they're not thinking that. They just instinctually stick handle and move the puck away from the goalie and score the goal. It's because they're not just in the moment, I'm going to try to play hockey. They've trained and they know what to do and it's instinctual in their lives. And through these spiritual disciplines and through reading scripture and letting God shape us and transform us, it's instead of just the, hey, in the moment, what would Jesus do? It's been, you've been trained and equipped for every good work that God has for you. You've been trained and equipped for the purposes that God has for you. It's the same thing with our spiritual training. And so I want to invite you this week that on the back side of your note page, it has three days with three different scriptures. And I want to invite you this week to spend three times between now and next Sunday opening up the Bible, having this piece of paper, and doing one day at a time walking through a little chunk of scripture. It's three, four verses. Now the goal isn't simply, can I read, you know, 20 chapters a day? The goal is, God, how do you want to shape me and transform me? God, what do you want to do in my heart and my mind this, this, in this moment? And to read scripture and let it train you and teach you and correct you and rebuke you and, and train you for godliness. And so I want to invite you this week to spend time reading through God's word, and allowing him to shape you and transform you. And you see, this leads us to our, our big idea this morning, if you're taking notes. It's this, that your transformation comes through training. 
your transformation, your, your process of becoming more and more Christ-like, it happens through training. Now, God is the one who does the transformation. God is the one who's going to change you and transform you. But you do your part. You're, you do the training. You do the spiritual disciplines. You place yourself before God and do these practices and let him change and transform you. Now, I want to invite the, the band to come up as we're going to respond together. And as we do, I want to invite you this summer to practice these spiritual disciplines, to, to know that it's not enough just, hey, just show up on Sunday morning, but that God wants to have a relationship with you, an intimate relationship with you, in which he's changing you and transforming you into the likeness of Christ. And so, would you begin training? And maybe like my wife and I, uh, you know, every six months we're like, yes, yeah, so I'm going to start doing exercise. Maybe for you it's like, hey, I've done spiritual disciplines before. I've, I've uh, you know, been in, in God's word before. But, but maybe you've gotten a little bit spiritually out of shape, right? You've packed on a few spiritual pounds and you've kind of got lazy from the disciplines. And may this be a moment for you to say, hey, I want to recommit to that. I want to recommit to the training. I want to recommit to spending time uh, reading God's word beginning this week. But maybe there's others of you who are here and you're like, hey, I've never done this before. I've never, you know, showing up at church has been a big step for me and I've been showing up at church, but, but I don't really know, you know, how to read the Bible or how to pray or these, I've never done fasting before. I've never done these spiritual disciplines before. And maybe for you, I just want to invite you, would you this week begin your training and to start small, and that we together as a community, you don't have to do this alone, but we want to train together. And invite you and encourage you to, to, if you're not yet in a life group, join a life group. Because the life group, uh, what we do is you spend time reading through and uh, spending time in God's word. And then we teach through that same passage on the Sunday. And then you get in a life group with other people and you talk about, this is what God's been teaching me and training me and transforming me. And here's some questions I have. And we together help one another to be changed and transformed. So I invite you, would you jump into that training? Would you jump into that training this week? And my prayer is that our lives would become the lives that we actually desire for ourselves, right? The type of people that we want to be, that we would become more godly, more Christ-like. And imagine the impact that that would have on your family, on your friends, on your neighbors, on your marriage, if our lives were defined by godliness. Let's pray for that this morning. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, I invite us as a church into this, this summer of spiritual training. And Lord, my prayer is that we wouldn't uh, try to earn your love. We wouldn't try to earn growing close to you, God. But Lord, we thank you that salvation is a gift you offer freely to each and every one of us. And out of that, God, I pray that we would want to grow closer. God, that our lives would want to be, uh, give you glory by being godly and Christ-like. And so, God, would you help us? God, would you work in us and through us that we would do this spiritual training, that we would look forward to it, that we would look forward to these times with you, God, that you would shape our hearts, shape our lives, God, to be more and more Christ-like. We pray this in Jesus' name.